in them. And yeah, I was just uh, this morning just thinking about we've got a room full of just cells, like just great people with the heart for God that are showing up on a Sunday morning to worship and learn about Him and connect with people. And I'm just honored to be part of this and really know that God is doing something good here in our time together. There's something powerful that happens when we gather together. And who needs those 30 guys who went to Men's Encounter anyway? Because they, they, they really needed it, but you guys, you know, you're at a higher place. So I do kind of feel like I, I walked into a women's conference a little bit this morning. Like, wait, we got a little, little overload, but that's good. Um, we are, as Jenny said, wrapping up our, our overall in all series as we've been going through the book of Colossians this month. And today, the, our, our title of this message is can you do two things at once? It's actually probably appropriate that some of the men are gone because men are famously not good at multitasking and women are better at that. There's actually a book called, some of you have seen, called Men Are Like Waffles, Women Are Like Spaghetti. And women are like that. Their brains are all connected. Everything is tied to it. They can do a lot of things at the same time. It's all connected. And men are like in their box. Like, I'm a waffle. This is what I'm doing. (laughs) Right now, one thing. And sometimes you ask a guy, hey, what are you thinking about? He's like, nothing. (laughs) And that's true. There is a nothing box. That really is a legit thing. That's just how we are. So this may be a little easier for the ladies to, to apply. But I was... I hate, I kind of apologize, most of my analogies are sports analogies, and so that's maybe more of a guy thing, but that's, that's who I am. I remembered when I was in eighth grade, I was going out for the basketball team, and our coach, he was, he was from Indiana, which is like basketball country, and he gave us this, this handout that was like tips on how we could improve our basketball game. And this one area I still remember was about defense, and it said, if you're guarding a guy who's good at shooting, but not at driving. Driving is like dribbling, taking the ball to the hole and trying to, trying to score. If he's good at shooting, but not driving, then just get right up next to him so they can't get their shot off. But if they're good at driving, but not shooting, then just step back a little bit because when they make their first move, you've got a little space to stick with them and they're not going to blow past you. And so, oh, that's good, good advice. And then it said, if they're good at both shooting and driving, you're in for a long night. <laughs> that was the advice. Basically, like, if someone is able to master both shooting and taking the ball to the hole, then they are a tough cookie to defend, and that's, they're going to be effective. And I think subliminally, that was telling you, hey, you should try to be a good shooter and a driving to the hole, because then you're going to be a really great basketball player. But it's interesting that most people are one or the other. And the thing we're going to talk about today, um, a lot of people tend to be one, or the other, but it's hard to do both. And actually, we're, most of you have a bulletin, but I want to make sure everybody has one this morning because we're going to make a couple lists here. So if you didn't get one when you came in, can you raise your hand? And Tom's going to make sure everybody gets one there for you. All right. Awesome. But before we get into this, these two things that we're talking about, can you do at once, I just want to review a little bit um, from our last month, from the book of Ephesians, or book of Colossians about Christ being overall and in all. And so chapter 1 was just really setting the stage of who Jesus is, that he's the ultimate, he's the preeminent one, he's overall, he's in all. And uh, a verse that sums that up is here in Colossians 1, 15 through 17, where it says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, 
the firstborn over all creation. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So the book starts out with this big picture, sort of almost metaphysical idea. And Colossians and its companion book that Paul probably wrote at the same time, Ephesians, are like this. They're talking about God's ultimate purposes in history, in the universe, in, in the world, and it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus filling everything, that he's the one that it's all for. He's the one who created everything, it's for him, and he's holding all things together, he's in everything, and he's, he's filling everything. And so it's this, this, this big idea that it's, he's the ultimate one, it's about him. Chapter 2, it, it breaks it down, it talks about what Jesus did on the cross, and it talks about how we become fully alive as we walk in Christ. And so our theme of the week two was becoming fully alive, but it's fully alive in Christ. That phrase, in Christ, was 15 times, or that idea, in that chapter. So that not only is Jesus the ultimate, but through his death and resurrection, as we believe in him and walk with him, then we experience the fullness of life, his resurrection life that he intends for us. And in chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, Paul says, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, or as Lord, so walk in him, rooted and build up, built up in him, and established in the faith. And so there's this idea of, yes, Jesus is everything and he has life for you, but it's as he is your Lord, and, and as you're in him, as you're walking in him, as you're trusting in him on a day-to-day basis, and following him, with him not only being your Savior, but your, your Lord, your leader on a day-to-day basis, that's how you honor him and come into this life he has for you. Last week in week three, we talked about this idea of glory. And we talked about how Christ is glorified through our lives. That this whole idea of Christ filling the whole universe with, God filling the whole universe with Christ, it's not just this, this fairy dust sort of idea, like God just sprinkles Jesus' glory all through the world. But the way he does that is through people. It's one person at a time who, is, who meets God and turns from their sins and is born again and then grows and is changed and comes into becoming fully the person we were meant to be. That's how God is glorified. That's how Christ fills the whole world. It's through his people. And we talked about that happens as we lay aside our self-interest and put on love. Uh, when, in, in verse 2 of chapter 3, it says, Set your minds on things that are above... And it talks about that really being God's love and not on the things that are on earth, which is our selfish desires and selfish ambitions. So um, week four, so you can see in week three it's starting to get pretty practical. In week four it's getting even more practical. And we're actually picking this up at the tail end of chapter three and we're going to go into the beginning of chapter four and I'm going to leave most of the, the end of chapter four for you guys to read for yourself. So chapter three starting in verse 16, and I'm going to read up here because my Bible was a casualty of men's encounter, actually. I lost it. It's, it's, hopefully someone's bringing it back. But we're going to pick up here in verse 16 and read to the end of uh, to, to chapter 4, verse 6. But as we do, this is where I want you to take notes. Paul is talking about how we're to live. How we're to live in a way that Christ is in us and Christ comes through us into the world around us. And I want you to think of this in terms of two categories. 
And these are the two responsibilities, two, the two things we're asking, can you do two things at once? This is our, can you walk and chew gum at the same time sort of thing. All right, can you do two things at the same time? The one thing is spiritual activities. That's one, and you already have your, your bulletin, so you knew where I was going. So spiritual activities on the one column, and then on the other column is everyday responsibilities. And so as we read through this, listen to what he's saying, and just jot down what you see in those two columns. All right, starting in verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And just one comment on that. Um, let the word of God dwell in you richly. That can sound like, what does that mean? But I think that's talking about is somehow getting God's word into you so much, so richly, that it's overflowing, that it's coming out, that it's, it's come into your heart, you're, you're reading the Bible, you're listening to messages, you're getting God's word in you, and you're thinking about it, it's dwelling in you richly, and out of that, you're speaking, you're, you're sharing what you're learning with other people, you're giving people input, you're helping them make adjustments to their life, um, but it starts with, with, with getting God's word in you in the first place. All right, verse 17 says, and whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. That's a verse you may have read that before. Um, Think about that. Everything you do in word or deed, do in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, what does that mean? First of all, it says everything. That means everything you do. So, how do you empty the dishwasher in the name of Jesus? Does that mean you like, take the cup out of the dishwasher and put it in and say, in Jesus' name, I place you in the cabinet. <laughs> All right, fork, in Jesus' name, I place you in the drawer. And, okay, in Jesus' name, I'm putting on my shoes. Is, uh, what is that? How do we do everything in Jesus' name? Well, as was kind of alluded to in our worship, a name represents who you are. And when the Bible talks about doing something in Jesus' name, it's not only talking about saying that phrase, in Jesus' name, but it's talking about you are connected to the person of Jesus. That you are trusting in him and drawing your life from him and seeking to be aligned with him. And so you're going about your everyday life looking to God as your source, looking to God as as your Savior and your Lord and saying, God, I'm doing, this day is for you. And everything I'm doing today, whether it seems important or not, whether it seems like just drudgery, or, I mean, why do I have to do this? Or whether it seems like, well, this is an exciting thing I get to do. All of it is important. And all of that, as we, as we draw our life from God, we can do it in his name and bring, bring Christ into the world around us. Um, so whatever we do. Verse 18, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. I just want to, I don't want to go, we're not going to go into this too much, but this is talking about marriage relationships and this idea of submission, and it's very counter-cultural and counter-human nature, but biblically we're instructed to submit to one another. Being a Christian means that we, we let other people have an in in our life and listen to them and submit to them. 
And submission is, there is a place that the Bible gives for, for men to have leadership in the home, but submission is always, it's never something demanded, it's always something given. You can't demand someone to submit to you, that's not biblical submission. But submission is saying, I willingly choose to submit to the people God has put in my life. And so that's a way that we, we honor God and, and love others. Um, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, verse 20, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, we can just think of employees. Obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service, as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily, as for the Lord, and not for men. I just want, whatever you do, again, a lot of the stuff that we do in life seems inconsequential. A lot of the things that I find on my to-do list in the morning are like, really? Like, isn't there, like, it'd be nice if I had one of those bond servants to do these things. Like, this doesn't feel like what I was called to do. Like, this doesn't seem very important. But the, the, God has shown us a lot of the stuff in life that most matters is, is it's the little stuff. It's how do we go about our daily assignments? How do we go about our studies? How do we go about our job? How do we go about our relationships with our roommates, with our family members, with the people around us? How do we take out the trash? The stuff that can seem so just drudgery is a way that we can present as worship to God. And that makes the, meaning, the seemingly meaningless become meaningful when we see that, wow, I can do this for God's glory. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. And it goes on. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. And then chapter 4 starts. Masters, treat your bondservants. We could say employers. Treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Sawyer, can you, don't go to the next slide, go back to that first one, though, with the blank columns. What were some of the things you guys saw? What were some of the, act, the spiritual activities that you saw listed out in this passage? Let's just hear a couple of those. Just any of you, I'm asking for a response now, sorry. Teaching and admonishing all, one another in all wisdom. Yeah, that's a spiritual activity, starting with you know, the Word of God dwelling in you, and then you're, you're teaching it and admonishing others. Good. What's another spiritual activity? Pray steadfastly. Pray steadfastly. Yeah, I mean, that's about as spiritual as it gets, right? Like, prayer. Good. Um, anything else that stood out? Cornita? Work for the Lord, not for men. 
Good. Yeah. Now, I was going to put that in the everyday responsibilities category, but that's actually, I mean, really, these are false categories in some ways. But yeah, working every day for the Lord, it's, it makes it a spiritual activity. Good. Uh, what about the everyday responsibilities? What do you guys catch in that? Walk in wisdom. Yeah, that's like every day. We need wisdom. Every day. Good. What else? Honor each other. Like with the verse with the Yeah. Yeah, honor each other. Show that with employers and employees and family members, husbands and wives and children. There's a practical honoring of each other in our in our day to day lives. Good. Um, here's here's I, here's the list I made. I swear you could throw that up there. And some spiritual activities included here are meditating on God's word, teaching and instructing others, singing to God. That's pretty spiritual, right? Give thanks to God. Pray continually. Then it talks about, at the end, being wise and intentional ambassadors for Christ. Evangelism, being a witness. That's something we think of as a spiritual activity. And speaking graciously to others. And everyday responsibilities. Doing everything for him and from him. So that's our, our jobs, our studies, everything. Um, called to love, honor, and serve our spouses. We're called to obey our parents. We're called to be, be careful and intentional parents. To work honestly, zestfully, and expectantly. To treat our employees well. And I put this in both categories because I couldn't pick. Speak graciously to others. That has to do with definitely our day-to-day interactions with others and also the things that we think of as more spiritual conversations. So that's just, you know, I think that's a pretty good list. It's not all-encompassing of everything that falls in these categories, but you see what I was saying? That a lot of times we tend to migrate towards one column or the other. We uh, We tend to be like, well, I'm more like of an everyday's responsibilities kind of person, and then there are those people over there that they're like the spiritual ones. Or you've got the ones that are like, man, I just I want to read my Bible eight hours a day and pray and witness. And, but then some people may say of them that they're so heavenly minded, minded they're no earthly good. <laughs> they're like, hey, you're lousy at like just doing stuff, like getting stuff done. Like people, sometimes we, we tend to fall in one category or the other. But man, if we can be people that do both of these well, then we are a person that really expands God's kingdom and is hard for the enemy to defend, just like a basketball player that can, can shoot and drive. So, uh, I just want to make a few observations about these. Um, first of all, is this making sense? Yeah. You guys are a little quiet today. <laughs> Thoughtful? Yeah, good, okay. Um, because this is, this is and remember, this is about, it's not just like, we're, okay, this is about bringing, seeing Christ fill all in all. This is about the world being changed. How do we see the world change? It's by carrying out our spiritual activities and our everyday responsibilities for the glory of God. Um, first observation, everyone's called to both. We don't get that excuse of like, oh, I'm more of an everyday responsibilities person. I'm not so spiritual. No, every person is called to both. 
But most people are more inclined towards one or the other. And, um, you know, like I said, we, we may be more like the kind of person who's like, well, I'm a witness with my actions. And that's important. But that shouldn't be an excuse for, man, you also are called to the spiritual activities side of things, too. Or they're like, oh, I just love the Lord, and I want to I spend all my time in my room with Jesus. It's like, well, you're not really serving Jesus very well if that's all you're doing. Because God's called us, called us to both. I love this quote. There was a, a man who lived 100 years ago named Abraham Kuyper in the Netherlands. And he was an amazing man. His, man, his, dad was a, his father was a pastor. He grew up in a strong Christian home. He ended up um, becoming the prime minister of the Netherlands. And he just was very involved in all aspects of society. Um, and at one point, he, was, he had helped to found this, this new university called the Free University of Amsterdam. And in this dedication speech, he said this. He said, oh, no single piece of our mental world is to be hermetically sealed off from the rest. And there's not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. That's a powerful statement. But he's speaking to the tendency we have to hermetically seal off certain parts of our minds, certain parts of our lives, and say, oh, well, that's, that's, that's me time, or that's, 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 that's just this part of my life. That's not really spiritual. That's not really important. But he's saying, no, every part of our human existence, Christ says, that's mine. I'm Lord of that, and I want to redeem that and use that for my glory. So everyone's called to both. Next observation is that I think you're all going to see that this is true. Everyday responsibilities easily crowd out spiritual activities. Isn't that the truth? Man, I mean, what, the last time you asked someone how they were doing, I, I bet I would, I would do well in Vegas if I could just play the odds on this. Probably they told you something like, I'm busy. Oh, it was a tough week. Oh, there was a lot that came at me this week. That is the nature of life. And everyday responsibilities and the stuff that comes at us, it's that we have to face that every day. And it's very easy for our, the spiritual side to be crowded out by that. Jesus talked about this when he told the, the parable of, of um, the seeds sown in different types of soil in, in Mark 4 and, and Matthew 4. And the seed was the word of God coming into people's lives. And the soil represented different types of, of heart conditions that people have. And in verse 18 and 19 in Matthew 4, Jesus says, The seed that fell among the thorns, so seed falls on the ground, but it's crowded out by thorns. That seed represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things, so no fruit is produced. Now that is one of the real challenges. If we want to thrive, as Christ followers, and thrive in life. We have to realize that there are pressures of life, the worries of having enough, and our jobs, and obligations, that so easily those take over our lives and crowd out the life of God in us. And it's very easy for us to say, to think like, well, I, just, I have to take, of all, take care of all these things first, and then when I get done with that, then I'll give God my time. Then I'll, I'll invest in my, in my spiritual side of things after I take care of these responsibilities. 
But what happens? We never get to that point where like, it's all taken care of and our spiritual side gets so easily crowded out by, by everyday responsibilities and challenges. And so, but, but the key to help us get out of that is this third observation, is that spiritual activities actually fuel our everyday responsibilities. That's how God designed it to be. You know, I love how we see this in the life of Jesus. In, and we see this in, in Luke chapter 5. It says, he was out ministering and there were crowds and there were tons of people. It says, the news of him spread more and more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And Jesus had a full agenda. He had a lot of everyday responsibilities. He had thousands of people coming at him and needing help and needing time and needing attention. And there was a lot of work to be done. But Jesus realized that the the power source of everything that he did came from his personal relationship with God. And so he would withdraw away from all that and get alone with God and pray, meditate on his word, connect with the Father, get recharged spiritually on the inside. And then he would go back in the power of God to carry out the responsibilities God had called him to do. And that's the same pattern that God calls us to. I, I, Martin Luther, who has um, probably changed the world more than anybody else in the last thousand years, he said this. He said, I have so much to do today that I must spend the first three hours in prayer. Now, that's a different paradigm, huh? Well, usually it's like, oh man, I have so much to do today, I don't have time for God. But he realized, no, that when I get alone with God and pray, God works on my behalf. God starts handling things. God changes things. And if I really want to accomplish stuff, I'm going to get away with God and invest in my spiritual life, invest in my relationship with God, and then I'll have a greater power to carry out what he's called me to do. And I, many of us could say, man, we've experienced that. I know it's, it's different. When I just like start into my day and try to take care of things, it's like a, it never, I always feel like I'm behind. Never feel like there's enough. But when I start the day and say, okay, God, I'm going to meet with you. I need you. I need your word. I need to hear from you. And then, okay, God, what do you want me to do? And I start like prioritizing the day. What do, what do you want me to do today? It's amazing how a little time like that at the front end of the day, I already feel like it's half accomplished. And then it just brings order and clarity and God's bringing wisdom. And, and even God works things out that I don't even have to work out because I, I put him first. And that's, that's really how he does it. So spiritual activities actually fuel our everyday responsibilities. And man, if we get that, that takes us far. Um, yeah. Another thought on that. Sometimes you're like, you know, I read the Bible but I didn't really get anything out of it. I, I can't really remember what I read. Now that might be because you need to press in more and ask God to speak to you and reveal something to you. But sometimes you do that and you're still like, you know, it wasn't like this profound experience today. But it's the same way with, do you remember what you ate last Tuesday? I don't, but it sure helped me. It made a difference. That provided fuel for my life. And that's how it is with God's Word. Just consistently getting in front of His Word and reading the Bible and saying, God, speak to me. Give me the spiritual fuel that I need. 
Uh, yes, there are things that we should stand out and we meditate on and remember, but we don't, there's something that's happening beyond what we remember or understand. It's just like eating. God is doing something that fuels us for the life he's called us to. Next observation. This is daunting. Doing both of these things at the same time is not for the faint of heart. And not a lot of, a lot of, peop- it's, a lot of people don't do it well. It's, it's challenging. It's not just going to happen. It's not going to be like you listen to this message today and you're like, okay, I'm going to do two things well now. And the rest of your life, it's just easy sailing. No, this is going to be a challenge. This is going to be a lifelong process of balancing and keeping things in the right perspective and growing and learning and coming into this more fully. It's not only daunting, but it's, it's actually impossible for us to live this way. And that's good because the, thing God calls, the things God called us call the things God calls us to, we like to say this, are not difficult. God doesn't call us to difficult things. God calls us to impossible things. How do you know if this is from God? Because it's impossible. God is, being a Christian is not just morals and rules and helping you kind of incrementally become a better person. No, it's God saying, hey, this is your life. This is the life I've called you to, and there's no way you can do that. But I can do that in you, if you will trust me. And so this is an impossible thing, but as we come to God and say, God, I surrender my life to you. I want to live this way. He brings us about in our life. Matthew 5.16, or, or sorry, in uh, Luke 18.27, Jesus said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. This is impossible for us. That's a good starting point for us to recognize that. But what's impossible for man is possible with God. And last observation. Doing both well produces maximum impact. And if you think of the people you know that are making a difference in the world, there's a good chance they're living like this. They're growing in this. Jesus said in Matthew 5.16, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And my heroes are the people who are doing this. I see like, wow, they are kicking butt in their job. They're, they're like not a slacker. They're, they come energetically. They are devoted, they're head and shoulders above the people around them, there's a grace and a favor on how they do their occupation, how they manage their household, their everyday relationships, and they're also, you can see that it's all fueled from their relationship with God, that they're spending time with God, they're prioritizing church and personal devotions and all of that, like they're, they're missional in how they're living. Wow, those are the people that I respect the most, and those are the people who change the world the most. And God has called us to be those kind of people. Uh, the, like I said, we're going to skip a lot of the end of Colossians 4, the end of this book. It's Paul's uh, closing, like, greetings. Or he's, he's sending greetings from all these people, and, or to, and, and to a lot of people. And he's kind of giving a personal message to a lot of them. But one of them I just want to hit, because he's, he's a guy, I believe, who was, who was doing both things well. In verse 17, he says, Say to Archippus, Archippus is probably bivocational. We know from the book of Philemon that there was a church that met in his house. Like he had a community group meeting in his house, and he was a leader in the church. Um, but he says, says, Say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you received in the Lord. 
I believe that's what God is saying to us today. Hey, I have a ministry for you. And there are two parts of it. See that you fulfill this ministry that you received in the Lord. So wrapping it up, what are the next steps? I just want to ask you two questions. Maybe take a minute to think about this. Um, Not maybe. Take a minute. (laughs) Think about this. Maybe write it down. What's God saying to you? What's the personal application for you with this? Where does this intersect your life? And then, what are you going to do in trusting God in this area and coming more fully into doing two things at once? So let's just, um, if you're writing something down, continue that. If uh, I'm going to pray for us. and Just take a minute. If you bow your heads or, like I said, write down if, you, if you're doing that. But let's just take a minute and listen to God and see what he's saying to us. God, thank you for this. Thank you that we can live these kind of lives that glorify you and bring you fully into the world through our, through our everyday lives. Lord, I pray that you would help us to see what that looks like, help us to see what the next steps are, and help us to carry that out. God, thank you for the way this is happening. Thank you for the, just the work of your grace. <clears throat> in helping us to honor you through our everyday lives. Lord, we honor you, we thank you, we love you. Praise pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jonathan. Um, yeah, I love this.